All right, welcome to the next episode of I Should Be Working, which is now a podcast with a name as opposed to not having a name. Joining me again is the conquering hero, Marty Lang. Thank you for uh, joining me, Marty. Hey, great to be back again. So you were the first guest, and it went badly, but (laughs) we got crashed by a toddler. There was a whole lot of different things. And, but you were, you were just starting your crowdfunding campaign for stay with me and now it is over. And so now what we're going to do is, is go over it a little bit and dig a little bit into the campaign and what worked and what didn't work. Cool. So yeah. So tell the people a little bit about the campaign if they didn't watch the first one and we'll go from there. So uh, stay with me was a seed and spark crowdfunding campaign uh, that ran through the month of, of April. Uh, and it's for a feature drama film that I directed last summer in Los Angeles. Um, I, I started teaching as soon as the film was done. I started teaching at the University of Central Arkansas. So I actually drove cross country the day after we finished shooting. Um, and I've been here as Which a film. Which is when people are traditionally rested and in shape to drive across country. There, it's, I found out that there's never a time that people are in shape to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, once I got here, I, uh, wor- I work as a film professor now at the University of Central Arkansas. And uh, this spring, I actually had a crowdfunding class, uh, which was the first time it's ever been done in a film program. Uh, and our final project was to actually run this campaign. So uh, me and my other producers, we were responsible for the actual fundraising of it. And our students were responsible for making media for backer updates. They were responsible for public relations, uh, responsible for running our social media channels, really kind of all the, the secondary and tertiary jobs of the campaign our students were handling. And lo and behold, we were successful. We actually were able to raise uh, 104% of our goal. Which, uh, which I thought, given our times, uh, was pretty, pretty amazing. That's pretty great. So you made the, you hit the goal with like four or five days left, right? Mm-hmm. So in the back of your head, because you've done a lot of these and you've seen a lot of these, how quickly did you go? Shit, should have put the goal higher. <laughs> no, you know, I actually was okay um, when that happened. It was it was more of a relief than it was uh, an oh, how much? What can we get for a stretch goal? Mm-hmm. Uh, because this really was uh, a really rough environment, frankly. You know, to be crowdfunding and given the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, you know, there were enough people that came on board that were they were able to get us over our green light percentage, which was fantastic. Um, and then once we hit our goal with a couple days left, I, I had started thinking about putting a stretch goal together. Um, we had originally tried to raise, we, we wanted to raise $22,000 in the original version of the campaign in January. Um, then as we got closer to the campaign, we decided, okay, I think we need to lower it a little bit. So it went down from 22 to 15 and then from 15 to 14 because we got a little cold feet right before we started. Sure. But I, I think that, Given what we were trying to raise it for, I think the timing of it was good. We wanted to we wanted to include a, a distribution plan as part of our crowdfund uh, with the twenty two thousand dollar goal. So it was pretty easy to kind of like strip that out and then bring the number down and still have everything that we needed. Yeah, that's an easy thing to pull out. So I like to tell people because you always get these people who like have run like one or two campaigns and then they're like, I am now an expert. I know all of the things. I've had two successful campaigns. Pay me money and I will tell you what to do. And then I laugh at them. And <laughs> I tell people that that's, there's no one, you, every campaign, you learn something new. So what is the thing that you in this campaign were like, shit, I had, I had no idea. 
Well, I think the the thing that we learned, the thing I learned that we should have included uh, more from the beginning of the campaign was that uh, was sort of a marketing push to get people to come on board by offering them an entertainment experience through the course of the campaign itself. Right. So, you know, when, when we did my first campaign for rising star, you know, a, a thousand years ago, right. we were all about, you know, making the movie the goal of the campaign. Right. So like, if you contribute to this, to this campaign, you will be a part of this movie and nothing else. Um, but the more, the more I listened and the more, you know, I talked to some other folks, you know, in, in the crowdfunding world, the more I realized we kind of missed an opportunity to really consider the campaign itself entertainment in its own right. Because we had um, our students were making backer videos, you know, two to three per week over the course of the campaign. And they were all on really, you know, kind of relevant topics uh, related to entertainment and the pandemic and mental health, stuff like that. Um, so I think, I think, you know, for the next time I come up to, to try to run a campaign, I really want to consider it an entertainment experience in its own right. Um, you know, so to create a month's worth of interesting things that people can follow along with in addition to the final project that the money would eventually help to support. Well, that's part of why the, the all or nothing model works is because it becomes a little bit of a game and you're watching and you start rooting for them and you get like emotionally invested in these people you may or may not even know. So, I mean, that's kind of like a, like a broader sense of that whole concept. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think it's more important to have that you know, gamification in place on a campaign where it's not 100% or nothing. Right. Um, you know, since we've got, you know, since Seed and Spark is 80% or nothing, you know, once you, once you get to that point, then there has to be something else to kind of carry people through. Um, and I think that could definitely be one of those things. Did you find it was difficult once you hit 80% for people to not just go, we're done? Because you got the green light and you've got the, you know, it's going to happen. What was, was it hard? Because normally 80 to 100% is one of the, is the easiest part mm. a lot of times. Like for a Kickstarter campaign, because, you know, if you get to 80% with four days left, you're like, well, this is definitely going to happen. Um, but here, like you have to keep sort of pushing and you sort of lose the carrot of this could all go away. And it was hard when, when we hit 80%, uh, a few of us, we're definitely, so we definitely kind of took our foot off the brake, our, our foot off the gas a little bit. And it took, it took a little bit for me to jump back in. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not gonna lie. I took a day off when we hit 80%. I was like, okay, we're good. I think we're okay. We can figure out a way to do this. And then sort of came back in and, and started the, the push again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, when there's not that, that deadline beating down on you, it's easy given the amount of work that it is to, to kind of slough off a little bit. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. Would you tell people, like if they were going to do a Seed and Spark campaign, would you say put your 80%, make that what you your 100% normally would be? Would that be the way to do it? Um, that's one way. Um, and, and in a sense, you know, Seed and Spark is set up that way, you know, so right. that you, if you don't make the 100%, 80% should be, since you're an indie filmmaker, you know, the saying goes, you should have enough wherewithal and ingenuity to make it work on 80%. Yeah. Um, that's certainly one way to, to do it. But I think, you know, as you're, as we were just talking about, the idea of creating something else that's, you know, entertainment based that people can follow along with, I think might have a, an effect on something like that too. Yeah. All right. So you sent us, sent us, like I'm an organization. 
you sent me some of your stats from the back from the back end. Um, and so let's go through some of those just for fun. And let's see if Zoom will let me bring them to the forefront so I can see them. All right, so you had, hey, look at that. So you had uh, 259 followers, mm -hmm. 154 contributors, mm -hmm. and 14 super fans. Um, and your big city was Los Angeles, actually. Yeah. I kind of was surprised by that. I thought it would be, it was LA and then New York and then Conway, I'm assuming that's Arkansas somewhere? Yeah, that's where I live now, yep. Okay, and then Little Rock, because I would have thought you would have gotten most of them from Arkansas, Arkansas or Connecticut. And uh, like no we, Connecticut there. We got almost no Connecticut on this. Um, and, and I guess, I don't know. I, so what part I'm of what I'm mad did, at you probably. I am maybe, maybe because of that I moved out. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I reached out to the 176 backers we had on the rising star campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, minus the folks who either changed their email addresses or are no longer with us. Um, and they, I honestly didn't get as, as enthusiastic a response as I thought I was going to get. Right. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I, you know, I did move out of Connecticut in 2015. Um, and I've been in either California or Arkansas since then. Mm -hmm. So it could just be out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, it could be that Connecticut was hit harder than other states in terms of unemployment. Um, and I didn't look at those statistics on, I don't know if that's true or not, but that certainly could be a possibility. Um, or, you know, the other, the thing, the reason I left Connecticut was because the film industry sort of left a couple of years before that. So right. folks may have just moved on, you know, so it could be any one of those things. Do you think it could be that that group is just 10 years or yeah, 10 years older now and they have different priorities and maybe they just, they have, you know, they've got kids, they're not paying attention to crowdfunding campaigns? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the financial sense of it, yeah, I definitely think there could be, a, you know, when you tie it into the pandemic, I definitely think that's something. But like, yeah, it was interesting. Like I, in, in the Rising Star campaign, and this is such a weird statistic, I had six former girlfriends back in the Rising Star campaign. And in this one, I only had two, or actually only one and my current girlfriend. So I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, I, I don't know if that's... And you've accumulated four ex-girlfriends since then. You... <laughs> so, is, this two, is this of the original six? Only yep. like you only, only one of them came back. Yeah. I mean, all of, them, all of them responded to me and mm -hmm. were like, you know, listen, you know, I can't do it. So there was communication at least. Right. That was, um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I mean, I don't know if there's any correlation to it at all. Um, That'd be a fun metric to create. <laughs> the ex the ex-girlfriend slash boyfriend percentage the ex-lovers matrix the ex-lovers yeah. matrix yeah <laughs> yeah and then you've got to you know there's just so many variables that work into that that are like you know is i mean maybe they don't like what happened you know in between the sheets and maybe that's why they're not backing or maybe they really did and that's why they back <laughs> who knows well, I guess that means my numbers are going to go lower as I get older, I guess. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's look next. So you had, I'm looking now at your campaign progress chart. Mm -hmm. So you had a really big boost from Mark Duplass. Yes. Who you have worked with um, yep. um, way back in the day. So where, let me see if I can find where that is. Is that, I don't know if you're looking at this too. Is that right before week two or is that right after, right into the beginning of week three? 
I can actually tell you the dates. Let me pull it up on Twitter here. Um, yeah, Mark's tweet came on April 7th. So that was, I think that was right at the beginning of the second week. Okay, so that's where their, that bump is. So Scene Spark, and they have this curve where it says you're sort of what your normal campaign is going to do. And that's sort of where you overtook the curve for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a huge amount of engagement uh, from that tweet. We ended up with 91 likes on that, 28 retweets, and about seven or eight comments uh, based on that one tweet alone. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that, this was something I tried for the first time um, on this campaign was I tried to do uh, sort of like second degree engagement. So if someone else engages with a post about the campaign from someone that's not me, I really made an effort to try to go and follow up with those people, okay. contact them and say, Hey, I just saw that you retweeted this tweet from Mark about the campaign. It would be amazing if you could join us with a contribution kind of thing. I and that, that was actually really effective. We had, we had a bunch of people come on board, um, you know, for 20 bucks, 30 bucks, uh, you know, a couple $10 or whatever, but that, that was more effective than I thought it was going to be. Um, and that tweet also led us to the first of our associate producers, uh, a woman named Lisa Shalit. She saw Mark's tweet and then came on board and followed us with a thousand dollar contribution. Nice. Yeah. And, and I didn't, I had never met her before that. So Those are yeah. the best ones where it's like an out of the blue big one. And you're like, what, what, what is yeah. that? Yeah, it was really good. It was great. All right. So let's look at the next one here. Um, all right. Okay, so let's look at some metrics. So SceneSpark is pretty good at metrics. They're not as good as I would like them to be, um, but that's a different thing. So I ran, I have a theory that there's gonna be a consistent, if you pull up a big enough database, there's gonna be a consistent ratio of dollars per backer, dollars per follower, and then backers to follower, a backer follower ratio. So Specifically for that. Yeah, for any campaign really. And so awesome. you you had, your dollar per backer is $95.26 per backer. Bree over there tells me that the last time they ran those numbers, it was like $100 a backer, roughly. So that's so you're below the number. That number's probably a little inflated of real mm -hmm. campaigns. There's one campaign I saw um, where the average backer was $1,300. So you know something weird's going on there. What did they have? Eight backers, nine backers? No, they had. It's like one of. If you look on there, it's one of. It's like the third most funded campaign. Wow. So they had like ninety backers, and they raised like over a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Okay. And so it throws all the numbers off. Excuse, <laughs> excuse everything up. Um, Daughter, for example, which is currently running, they're at sixty three thirty four a backer, um, and they've gotten a lot of. Uh, they've gotten a lot of followers. They have a really high follower backer ratio. Um, you know, something, if I can jump into something really interesting about the sure. daughter campaign, um, they had a really good piece of press at the beginning of the, uh, their campaign in the Los Angeles times. Yeah. And we actually got residual looks off of that. Really? Um, yeah. If you look through where the, uh, where the majority of our uh, page views came from, mm -hmm. the LA times is actually number four for us. And that kind of came into play after that Los Angeles Times article ran. Um, yeah. so that might be something like major national level press really can be a positive thing. Yeah, that can always help. And he said when he was on Calvary, uh, he said that they had a really, really pushed followers. 
like hard because they started, if I'm remembering this correctly, they started before the pandemic. Yes. Yep. And then they got an extension because Seed and Spark will do extensions. Mm -hmm. And so they've had, they've had a much longer campaign, which is probably part of the factor. So I also ran this for the 10 most funded, the 10 highest grossing campaigns on Seed and Spark in their history, which minus the one with, that's weird. Um, okay. So the average backer dollar per backer for them is $106 and 45 cents. The okay. average dollar per follower is $86 and eight cents. So you're below both of those, which I always argue is a positive. I always want to be below those numbers because I feel like then you've got a, you've got a stronger base, especially if you've got a week left in your campaign. Yeah, no, that, that definitely, I mean, I, I felt good about where our audience was coming from. I, I, I had a feeling that Los Angeles was going to be the biggest pool of people that we would get because the work I've done in crowdfunding and education has been at Chapman University and at Cal State Northridge before mm -hmm. I went to UCA. So I was pretty confident that we'd be able to get a number of people out of there. But yeah, I mean, in terms of geography, I mean, we had folks from all over the place. So Which is cool. Well, you've been all over the place. There's that. Yeah. Everybody, everybody likes you. And so there's that. Um, so yeah, of those though, like the high end on the dollar per backer is, and I didn't write down the campaign names and I put them in Excel, which was stupid, uh, was 460 was the highest dollar per backer. And the lowest, uh, there's one that did 54.89 a backer and then um, Money and Violence, which I worked on, did 62.45 per backer. So, and that's roughly where daughter is. Daughter's at those much lower numbers. But the backer to follower ratios, they're all 1.09 to 1.83 and you're at 1.68. So I think you've got a pretty good, I think you're on the high end of the curve in terms of, in terms of getting engagement and building audience out of it. And my old thing where it's the crowd greater than funding yep. thing, you know, I mean, that's what we, you want because eventually you're going to have to make another movie or put this movie out there and that's right. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's something we we looked at that from the very beginning, even before the campaign started, because when when we were putting the twenty two thousand dollar campaign together, we were trying to uh, put in financing for a 10 city theatrical tour that we would do once the film was finished. Um, and we're still happen anymore. Well, I, I, maybe it'll be on 10. If it's on 10 computers, that's the same thing. So, right, you, um, you know, we're, we're, we were looking to try to find, you know, areas of, of, um, of heavy interest, you know, as a result of the campaign and have those cities be the places that we would end up going to. Mm -hmm. um, so there still is, you know, a hope, you know, if, if, if it's down the line that we end up getting the film out there, you know, we could do something like that. If it's, you know, 2022, you know, hopefully things will be back to more or less normal by then. Um, Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe. All right. So the other thing I thought was interesting was you, ScenesPark is the option where they will let the backer pay for the fees and cover mm -hmm. the fees, which when I backed it from Calvary, I did not do because... I'm a selfish asshole. Um, but you got 75% of people actually did that, yeah. which is, is that a thing? Did you, like, do you push that? Do you tell people about that? Or do you just wait for it to be asked and they go and they're already feeling generous? I've been, I've been asked about it, but I haven't put that out there. 
Um, the, the fact that we're getting somebody to contribute, that's the first step. I just want to make sure I get the conversion. And I always feel like if you try to do that extra 5%, you're talking past the sale, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, I've, I've responded to people who've asked me about it. And I said, you know, if you, if you could, it would be incredible. You know, then that would give us a little bit more resources to work with. And yeah, so it worked out pretty well, I think. I mean, yeah, I think once you see it, you're like, you're like, well, it's an extra, it's a dollar, it's $2, but it adds up. I mean, you saved you got an extra uh, $1,035 out of that yeah. for which for a $15,000 campaign is not nothing. It's yeah. huge. You like, you only ended up paying 12% of your fees. Yeah. You've had it paid 145 bucks in fees, which is, and I'd be really interested to see if that's a consistent thing across all of the season sparks platform. I, you know, I, like where would, that number is like, you know, what's the distribution of it? Like the different audiences, different types of films do better with that. That'd be, that'd be a great thing to study. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I asked, uh, I sent all, a bunch of these to Brie and she's like, that will take some time. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very busy. So, you know, whatever. Okay. So you had, how did the student thing work? Cause I've run a campaign where it's a lot of people who don't know what they're doing. Which is what, which is students, like, even if they've had a class, they don't know what they're doing. Um, well, no, totally, totally. It's a lot of herding cats. Like, how did that work for you, the, the cat herding? Well, the, the point of the class was to sort of introduce the students to the idea of trying to expand an audience beyond your friends and family, right? So, so what we did, there were two things I wanted to do, you know, with this, with the students going through it. I wanted them to get the experience of going through a campaign in real time and experiencing, you know, whatever stresses and whatever highs and lows happen over the course of that. But you can't but fake I, that. There's no simulation for that. Right. Right. And, and I think in that sense, we were really successful. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that they weren't stressed with the, with the actual responsibility of raising money. So seed and spark was a great fit. I thought because of the fact that they have followers. So, with it. So what I did was I, I assigned them the responsibility of trying to find followers throughout the course of the campaign, because that would give them the experience of, of reaching out to people that they don't know, mm-hmm. but would also be sort of a, an easy lead in, you know, instead of, you know, people going out, instead of going out and asking somebody for a contribution, just trying to find people who are passionate about, you know, subjects related to the film and trying to get them to follow, I thought would be a little bit of an easier ask. Right. What was interesting was that it was still unbelievably hard for the students to do that. Um, Most, most of the students were not able to get followers. Hmm. Um, And that was interesting to me. Um, You know, I, I didn't ding them for that. You know, part of our, our final, fail oh man part of the uh, <laughs> part of the assignment at the uh, at the end of class was to kind of reflect on that process and talk about what the challenges were and stuff like that and a lot of it was we're in the middle of a pandemic i don't feel comfortable reaching out to somebody to try to get them to do something even if it didn't have anything to do with money which i thought was really interesting i thought that taking the money away would make it a little bit easier and i think i think no it didn't i think had had the pandemic not happened over April, I think it would have made things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting that it worked out that I mean, way. If you think about it, it's basically cold calling, and cold calling is always hard. Yeah, like it's terrible. Like I did it for a summer. Not even no, I wasn't even cold calling. Like people were calling me, and it was hard. Like I worked for a credit card company for two summers, and it was awful. 
it was awful because your phone just keeps ringing and these people are like asking you questions and you're like supposed to try to then turn it around and convert them into money and i hated every minute of it yeah. so i mean i could see where that i can see where the the, the act of calling would be the hardest part mm-hmm. and then once you got someone on the phone or on the email or whatever then it gets a lot easier yeah once you get into a conversation yeah yeah um so my my hope is because they've gone through this, if they decide that they want to crowdfund on their own, they'll at least understand what they have to do. Mm-hmm. And I and I think we got them to that point. Cool. Uh, so that's definitely cool. Um, and I mean the other thing too that which this was something that kind of evolved as the campaign went on uh, from the educational standpoint. It became really clinical um, because what we started doing and this and I had no idea that we were going to do this beforehand. It just sort of happened. Um, each class. I would pull up each of the backers that we would get in the the two days before the Wednesday class or the, the three and a half days before the Monday class. And I would actually tell the stories of how we converted them. So like I could, I could show them my Twitter feed and I could show them like, so here, this guy, Colin, I've never met this guy before, but he responded to a tweet from my friend, Jerry. So I responded to him and that turned into a $5 conversion. And I went through with all these different people and all these different stories. You know, this person's a friend of mine from high school. Uh, this person's a, a, a colleague of mine from Chapman university, you know, like all these different places. So I think they really started to understand all the places that you can find supporters. Yeah. Uh, and that was something I hadn't really thought about before the campaign started, but it was definitely, it just sort of presented itself, you know, as we went along. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then you're like, these two people, they're a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sean and Lucas. They're a little crazy. You guys, man, I got more mileage out of the two of you. After after the cavalry thing happened, I spent half a class on you guys. It was fantastic. <laughs> that, that's like all Sean's doing, and it's brilliant. I think it's really kind of brilliant, and I wish we'd thought of it like eight years ago mm. or whatever. Because it's I feel like it's it's weird. And you were on the one for uh, which one were you on? The Sammy Sammy's. Sammy's, yeah. Sammy's yeah, yeah. Jr. And it's weird, like his face when we were like, no, we're really, we're really doing lottery tickets. He was just like, that's insane. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Where did you come up with this? I think it's great. I think it's, a, it's like a low key way to talk about a campaign and to promote a thing. And then it's fun. And then there's, you know, there might be a jackpot. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I'm, I'm having fun doing it. So. And it's, it's the altruism that film, the indie film community is known for. Yeah which is yeah. great. And it reminds me of the early crowdfunding days yes. when there were rallies and people would, you know, everybody would sort of band together and it was like, all right, everybody, let's go. We've got to get this one over the finish line. And yes. I don't, I don't, that doesn't really seem to happen anymore. No, I agree. And, and I think it's partially because of the ubiquitousness of crowdfunding. I think it's mm-hmm. just so common. Um, and, and a lot of people are getting into it now, you know, to try to, to try to raise money for bigger projects and things like that. So there's not as much of a, an indie feel to it you know i mean of yeah. course there's tons of indie projects but right. yeah the, the community i think is a lot bigger and therefore a little bit more fractured than it was 10 years ago yeah it doesn't feel as nearly as close-knit and and i think that's probably maybe that's a big part of it or maybe it's just that that group all sort of aged out of it and they're all doing other things that could be that could be i mean that's that's interesting you mentioned that because a, a lot of my students when i told them about a year without rent mm-hmm. uh, that blew their minds and, you know, and they had never, they had never considered doing something like that. You know, it's sort of like their version, you know, like an indie film graduate school, you know, kind yeah. of thing. 
Um, so there might be someone in, you know, who's just graduated from school now who might do something similar to that and create their own community similar to ours. Well, they you know? have my blessing. They can do it. I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to do it again unless, unless my wife kicks me out and then maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So really, truly how hard was the pan, how big of a factor was the pandemic? Do you think? It was a big factor. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I tie this into specifically uh, a friend of mine uh, from high school. Uh, his name is Scott and not to drag anything down, but he passed away last night um, from COVID. That, yeah. Um, so he, he went into the hospital right around the time the campaign started and all of my friends from high school were talking about it, obviously, because we were all mm -hmm. friends with him. And, you know, Facebook tends to be where my high school friends and I gather. So, you know, from that, that standpoint of it, it really made me uncomfortable to try to put kind of ask out for that sort of thing. So for Facebook, I spent all my time contacting people directly. I never put anything out, you know, sort of publicly. And I was really sort of apologetic about it, you know, in, in the, the context of Scott and, and stuff like that. Right. And I think, you know, as time goes on, I mean, more people are going to have someone that that's been affected by this disease and that's going to, change the mindset of a lot of people who are going to try to crowdfund it may change the projects that those people try to make you know i i, yeah. I think i think as time goes on you're going to see you know a lot of these stories you know of people who succumb to this disease or suffer from it you know and those stories will become you know media of it you know on its own so i i it was it became a bigger factor as as time went on um uh, and in that sense, I'm, I'm actually quite glad that the campaign's over. I'm a little worried that there's going to be just so much media about it that it's going to overwhelm everything else. That, you know, that's going to be, it's, we're just going to get exhausted by it. I think we already are. Yeah, I mean, we definitely are. And I feel like, you know, I was talking to Matt in the last episode and it's like, how many of these films do you think you're going to get as submissions? Like, like a, like a billion? Yeah. Like two billion, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit much. Well, Mel, Mel Annington was telling me that uh, she's already seen a couple uh, short films that deal uh, with. It. It's already here. <laughs> I saw it in my class. I'm I'm actually watching for my film production class for my uh -huh. juniors. I've already seen four COVID nineteen films. Wow! Already? Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be a bit much, and so you then you wonder is do you zig there and do you do are the comedies become more important to other things like that i feel like comedies and escapist entertainment i think is going to have a resurgence in this i don't think people want to go to a movie theater or to go or sit down on their couch and watch you know a streaming service to to see something that reflects the reality that they're living in yeah so if you i think if you go if you do a covid thing you got to do either really something different with it that's like you know shane caruth style different right no like you're the only person who can tell this version of it not just your normal whatever um or you got to go different drama that has nothing to do with it or comedy or something like that would be my yeah opinion. i think i have a feeling comedy is going to have a resurgence because i think people want just want to feel something else you know mm -hmm. and i think there's I mean, I'm looking forward to it. the the film I'm doing now is a drama, and I already have a comedy lined up for the next thing that I want to make as soon as it's done. So, cool. yeah, hopefully we can we can get that going. Cool, cool. All right, so 
I think that pretty much covers it. Um, trying to think if there's anything else to hit. You're just you're just out of it, so I wanted to catch you fresh. Yeah. Before you forgot any of the things. So, like, what's what's your big takeaways from it? How has it changed since the last time you did a campaign that is not sort well, of pandemic related? Well, the work hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the work is just going through a list of people who you're connected with in some way or that you become connected to in some way and try to convince them to become part of a team that you're on making something. So in that sense, nothing's changed. Um, You know, I think people are a lot more media savvy now and a lot more crowdfunding savvy now, uh, 10 years later. So there's no, um, what's the word? There's no uniqueness of coming forth with a crowdfunding campaign because everybody and their brother and sister have already done one. Right. So I think now it it becomes even more important to try to find some kind of real personal connection that you can create with a possible backer or possible, you know, follower um, and really tug at their heartstrings or, you know, make them, you know, really get them involved, get them invested, you know, emotionally somehow. Uh, I think that's really the, the big change now. Uh, and I'm lucky in that the people that ended up coming on board to support us either were already invested in, you know, the world of mental health. Um, but even those people were people I knew from previous films that I had worked on. So like it was, it was just trying to figure out, okay, here's someone who I worked with on a short film. She works as a social worker. She's, she's dedicated her life to mental health advocacy she's someone I think I can get. And then to craft the ask, send the ask out, and then thank goodness you get a conversion and she comes on board with a, with a contribution. That's really what it was. It was a lot more targeted, I think, um, than, uh, than it was last time. Hmm. Do you think there's still room for innovation like inside of campaigns? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the idea of creating an, educa- uh, an entertainment experience in the campaign, I mean, there's so much room within that. You know, I could see, and I mean, God bless the person with the time and energy to do this, somebody coming up with a campaign for a movie where they make another movie that's broken up into parts that you can watch if you follow the campaign. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Like you could have like a web series that tells the story up to the beginning of your feature. And then, you know what I mean? So you've got people who are literally who would make twice the content um, and be able to share half of it with their audience. I I haven't seen that yet. I think that would be something that that would work really well. That's kind of the old transmedia thing that was hot for a minute. And then everyone decided it was too much work. Well, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, if, if someone, and it doesn't have to be video per se, you know, I mean, somebody could be crowdfunding a podcast project Mm -hmm. and, you know, you could have, uh, you know, like a precursor story that leads up to it. And that can be entertainment that you can give or a podcast project to lead up to a film, you know, something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be more video created for that. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's plenty of room for innovation. I, I'm really excited to see what these younger kids are going to do with it now because I mean we didn't have TikTok growing up. We didn't have, no. you know what I mean. So yeah. I, they they have more tools than we had. Um, so I think I, I'm excited to see kind of what they do and kind of how they approach this. You know, once they start working on their own stuff. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't do any TikTok dances. I'm not on the TikTok, but I know that there's dancing. And I'm a little disappointed that you didn't do a TikTok dance for the campaign. 
All right. So there's a reason. Or did you? No, no. I there's a it. specific reason why I don't do any dancing anymore. Okay. When we did the Rising Star campaign, uh, there was a, a perk that we gave out where if we raised, I think it was $500 on a particular day of the campaign, that I would do a video where I would dance and uh, lip sync to a rap song. Sure. And of course, we raised $1,000 on that day. So I had to do the Humpty Dance. I had to lip sync to the Humpty Dance while dancing on a street in Bristol, Connecticut, while our producer, Matt Giovannucci, filmed me walking down the street. And it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever done in my life. And I swore no matter what I did the rest of my life, I would never do it again. So that's the reason why. The next campaign is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that, but then you're going to hit a point, a wall in a campaign. You're going to be like, okay, okay. fuck it, I'll do the dance. Yeah, and it'll be the same people who gave a thousand dollars the last time too, probably. Yeah, hey, a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I will let you uh, get back to just passing out from exhaustion and correcting from, papers. And yeah, correct, cool. oh, correcting papers. Oh, that sounds terrible. It's almost done. All right. Cool. All right, Marty Lang. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, do you have anything you want to? Where do we find you on the internet? So uh, most likely you'll find me on Twitter um, at Marty underscore Lang, M-A-R-T-Y-L-A-N-G. Um, yeah, so find me there and we'll chat indie film or uh, just chat in general. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you so much.